and welcome to the latest episode of the Intelligent Transport podcast. My name is Halima Huck, I'm the Editorial Assistant of Intelligent Transport and your host for today. Joining me for this episode is Mohamed Mesrani, Secretary General of UITP. Today we'll be discussing the role of sustainable urban mobility in shaping the cities of tomorrow as Mohamed Mesrani with his extensive experience and expertise provides us with valuable insights into the innovative solutions and strategic directions that UITP is advocating for to revolutionise urban mobility worldwide. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mohamed. It's great to have you here to discuss such a key topic for the transportation industry. Thank you very much, uh, Halima, for the invitation and uh, I look forward to share with you my views on, on public transport. Brilliant. As we're all aware, UITP plays a fundamental role in advancing the global public transport agenda and promoting sustainable urban mobility solutions. So I'm excited to explore the challenges and opportunities currently faced by the public transport sector and to delve deeper into the work that UITP is undertaking to shape the future of urban mobility. So without further ado, let's get right into it. As the Secretary General of UITP, you must have been involved in numerous global summits, including the most recent one that took place in May. Could you please share with us some of its highlights and key topics that were discussed? Yeah, the summit that took place in Barcelona recently was the first summit after COVID. So the first one after four years. We had the previous one in 2019 in Stockholm. So it was a very important event, a much desired event by the sector and by UITP members. Uh, And this was reflected in the attendance numbers. Actually, we had 2,700 Congress delegates, uh, more than 17,000 exhibition visits, uh, more than 300 exhibitors, 250 journalists, and more than 100 countries represented. So really, it was in, uh, in quality and in quantity, a very important uh, event for UITP. And uh, we covered a number of topics, of course, and uh, which were influenced by the trends and facts impacting public transport and uh, urban mobility. And I will maybe mention some of them. So the first one is the, the resilience of public transport and the lessons learned from COVID to make the sector more resilient. And also considering the, the impact of extreme weather events that are now uh, uh, affecting our life, our cities, and public transport uh, as well. So having a resilient public transport system is essential in, 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 in nowadays. And uh, why we want this resilience transport is to make sure that we limit the disruption and we ensure the continuity of the service, this continuity which is needed, and we have seen that during the pandemic, that uh, when the, uh, I would say, when the uh, uh, doors of our cities closed, the doors of public transport remained open uh, because it's a resilient system. Then another important issue that was, uh, that was also uh, covered is the labor issue uh, because public transport is facing critical labor shortage. And, uh, but at the same time, it remains the largest employer at the local level. In many cities, public transport is the largest employer. In Brussels, in Amsterdam, for example, So also it provides secure jobs to millions of people worldwide, local jobs that cannot be relocated somewhere else. Uh, And investing in public transport could create millions of additional jobs uh, in the world. And and it it may have a significant impact on the broader economy. So this labor issue was very discussed and debated in in, in Barcelona at the summit. And uh, and also discussing how public transport must strengthen its brand as employer to attract young people, to attract women, 
and and how we can leverage on the benefits and values of public transport to be more attractive to the workforce. And the third topic I want to mention is uh, decarbonization, because reducing CO2 emission is a global uh, concern. Uh, our industry is committed to decarbonizing uh, its operations through electrifications, for example, including uh, uh, also electricity generated by renewable energy. And we, have, we see heavy investment in public transport for that. And, uh, and, and also uh, building strong ties with the energy sector. And in the summit in Barcelona, we had, for example, in, in the exhibition, 35 zero emission buses uh, uh, exhibited. Uh, so it really reflects the, uh, the importance of this issue in the sector. And I would like also to remind that uh, public transport is the most energy efficient mode per passenger after walking and cycling, of course. And, and, and what is important is to uh, shift trips from cars to public transport because this is the, the, the most efficient way to reduce emissions. And without forgetting that metros, tramways, trolleybuses uh, have been electric for more than a century now and are, of course, zero emission. Uh, but anyway, public transport is uh, doing it, its, its homework and it's still innovating to fight climate change. And this was at the, uh, at the heart of what was, uh, let's say, discussed in, uh, in Barcelona. And, uh, and we have, uh, we have uh, translated this into uh, the Barcelona Declaration, which uh, has emphasized what we stand for, what public transport stands for. For, and I would say public transport stands for more than itself. It stands for people, for their health, their safety, their well-being. It stands for, for progress, for a flourishing economy and for keeping our cities bustling. And it stands, of course, for the planet and for a life free of carbon emissions, uh, as it is illustrated by the efforts that the sector is, is doing to be a zero emission. So... In a word, I mean, what Barcelona has, has confirmed, it has confirmed that public transport is a choice and not an option. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing the fascinating highlights from the recent UITP public and public transport summit in Barcelona. The summit's focus on sustainability, digitalization, inclusivity and resilience in the face of challenges like COVID-19 is truly commendable. It's so inspiring to see how UITP is really at the forefront of driving innovative and transformative practices in urban mobility. Before we move forward, I was hoping that we could briefly touch upon the um, UITP Hamburg 2025 and 2027. Given their significance, it's clear that pre preparations for these summits must be well underway. Could you kindly share with us the goals and aspirations set for these upcoming events and how you envision they will shape the future of urban mobility? Yeah, the summit is, uh, is an essential milestone in the life of the public transport community, actually. And uh, it's the main event in public transport and its global dimension attracts people from all continents and we are covering more and more countries. So uh, in Hamburg, certainly in 2020, uh, 2025 and 2027, will have even uh, more more people than than this year and uh, organizing the summit in in hamburg is organizing it uh, in a country uh, who is amongst the world leaders in the field of public transport with a very strong industry and many innovations present all over the world so the people who will visit germany 
at this occasion, of course, we'll have the opportunity really to uh, get in touch and get in contact with uh, with the public transport uh, leaders uh, in, in, in our industry. And also Hamburg, the city, is a city offering a multimodal network with high patronage, uh, offering complementarity also with on-demand and shared mobility, which are becoming very important in the uh, in the mobility uh, sector, and uh, and also which are key because this integration is key if we really want people to leave their cars and use sustainable modes of uh, of transport. Also in Hamburg at the at the summit, we will partner with the VDV, the German Public Transport Association, which will merge their annual event with the summit. So offering even uh, more. Uh, opportunities to better know the German industry in addition to all the exhibitors, delegates, suppliers, etc. that will be coming from all over the world. So I would say that Hamburg will be the world capital of public transport in 2025 and 2027. And we look forward to these summits. And we are, as you mentioned, already uh, busy preparing this uh, this event that will be a a milestone in the life of uh, public transport uh, stakeholders. That's so great to hear. Thank you for providing us with such an insightful glimpse into the vision and goals for UITP Hamburg 2025 and 2027. It's evident that these summits hold immense promise in shaping the future of urban mobility. I certainly look forward to witnessing the positive impact these events will have on creating greener, more efficient and accessible transportation systems worldwide. Now, I think it'd be quite beneficial for our listeners if we were to take a moment to understand the significance of the UITP Global Summit as a vital platform for knowledge exchange and collaboration amongst industry professionals. So, Mohammed, could you please share with us the approach and reasoning behind the strategic direction set for the future of this significant event? Let me start by by reminding that uh, the summit uh, the, or the first edition of the summit was uh, organized in 1886, so almost 140 years uh, ago. It was previously uh, called the UITP World Congress and uh, then became the UITP Global Public Transport Summit. And uh, uh, Hamburg, actually 2025, will be our 65th edition of the summit. So we have a long history of organizing the Global Public Transport Summit. And Hamburg will be also the opportunity to launch the annual summit because we used to organize this event every two years. And starting from 2025, it will be organized and taking place every year. So it's really a change in our strategy for our events. It means that we will stop organizing our tier two events like the the Middle East and North Africa Congress or or the Singapore Public Transport Exhibition. So uh, because we want one annual gathering, which is the reference for the sector, really we want the every year uh, the, the public transport community, the sustainable mobility communities to meet at the occasion of the summit to be really the, the, the event for the, uh, for the profession. And uh, we will organize it in a way that we will have one year in Europe and the second year uh, the, or the next year in uh, outside of Europe. So it means that between the two editions in Hamburg, we will have one edition outside of Europe, and this one will be uh, taking place in 26 in Dubai. And every year we'll uh, take stock of the trends impacting the sector, 
the initiatives led by public transport uh, stakeholders, also the technology innovations developed by our industry in the in, 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 in the exhibition that is becoming bigger and bigger. So the UITB Summit is the place to be, to, to hear and discover the latest innovations during the Congress, the exhibition and other side events that we organize at, this, uh, at that occasion. Uh, and would say it's the place also where public transport leaders will meet on a yearly basis. And this is specificity of our summit is that we have the CEOs, the uh, managing directors, the presidents, etc., leaders of the public transport uh, uh, operators, uh, authorities, supplying industry meeting in the in the summit. Uh, so I would say the topics it covers and the leaders that it attracts will make the summit uh, the Davos or of public transport. Really, this is our ambition. Is uh, It's there where the uh, uh, key decision makers will meet and it's there where uh, the defining decisions are taking place. Brilliant. And it's certainly been going on for a long time, hasn't it? No wonder UITP is such a prominent organisation within the public transport industry. Um, thank you so much for explaining the thoughtfully crafted strategic direction behind the UITP Global Summit. I'm sure our listeners will greatly appreciate your insights. As I'm sure we're all very much aware, in the ever-evolving realm of urban mobility, the public transport sector is currently confronting a myriad of challenges, ranging from energy efficiency, and staffing to various other crucial areas. In light of this, I'm curious to explore the current and future obstacles and opportunities that lie ahead, along with your optimistic visions for how the public transport sector can tackle these pivotal issues head on. So yes, you you mentioned decarbonisation, resilience, shortage of staff, uh, which are very important uh, issues. I I would like to add some, some additional ones, like inflation, for example. Uh, because the, um, the, this inflation that is experienced by public transport, not only by public transport, but by our economy in general, uh, is, is, is having an impact because it is uh, leading to uh, uh, rising costs of uh, operations. And, uh, and uh, uh, at the same time, we, we see that revenues are still lower than uh, if we compare them to the 2019 levels, for example, uh, because of the uh, effects of COVID that are making the uh, ridership or the use of public transport ju- still not recovering 100% uh, everywhere. In some countries, yes, or cities, yes, but not everywhere. We see also changing commuting patterns of the uh, of the of uh, our citizens. Uh, some of them work from home two days a week, for example, and so this is having an impact on the way they move. And, uh, and so we have rising costs and uh, uh, decreasing revenues. And uh, this is, of course, creating a challenge and is questioning maybe the business model of, uh, of, of public transport. Uh, and and uh, uh, it means that we need to find ways to uh, uh, recover the balance between costs and, uh, and the revenues. And in addition, we see the appetite of policymakers to introduce free public transport. And this is not an option, actually, because when you ask people why they don't use public transport, uh, uh, especially car drivers, when you ask them why they, they don't use public transport, they never tell you because I have to pay. 
they will tell because we want better public transport, more public transport, uh, a denser network, uh, a higher frequency. Uh, and and, and uh, if we offer free public transport without improving the service, without investing more in, in the networks, without modernizing the system, it will not attract more, more people. And uh, so what we need is uh, really to, to give the priority to, to public transport if we really want to, to, to attract people. But it, it, uh, of course, for those people in need, and, uh, and uh, we, ha- we need to develop concessionary fares uh, in order to, uh, to offer them the possibility to use public transport because they cannot afford the regular uh, uh, fares. Also, another aspect which is important is accessibility. So definitely, public transport must be fully accessible and inclusive for all, especially for the uh, 15% of the world population uh, who are disabled. And, uh, and uh, there is also 750 million people in the world who have difficulties with reading or writing. So it's important that we offer them uh, a system, a service that is accessible uh, for them. And for that, uh, one of the challenges in public transport is that the infrastructure in many cities is a very old infrastructure built many decades ago. So we, we need some, uh, some support and especially financial support from the, uh, the, 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 the public authorities to uh, uh, modernize this infrastructure and make it, make it uh, more, more, more accessible. Uh, and in UITP, we have uh, launched what we call the LECO degra- Declaration. LECO is a city in Italy uh, where we have uh, uh, launched this uh, uh, call and this declaration to, to, to our members to commit to key principles to build accessible mobility systems. Uh, so declaration not only our members, but also uh, transport stakeholders in general. And one important aspect as well is uh, digitalization, for example. So public transport is uh, undergoing rapid innovation to meet the, the evolving needs of our cities, our communities, uh, and uh, digitalization could play a key role there, improving the efficiency of uh, operations by making maintenance uh, less costly, uh, but also by improving the, the service to the customer, but by developing even new services, we see that how digitalization has contributed to more shared and on-demand mobility. And, and this uh, shared and on-demand mobility uh, uh, will, will, uh, will allow to uh, extend the reach of, uh, of public transport, uh, to go beyond mass transit and to develop a service which is door-to-door and not just station-to-station. So really, this, uh, this is a very important uh, uh, change in the way we approach mobility. And, uh, and uh, if we succeed to combine this uh, mass transit together with shared and on-demand mobility, uh, people will not need anymore even not just to use a car, but also to own a car because they will have the service they, they want according to, uh, to, their, uh, to the purpose of the trip, to the moment of the day or the day of the week where, where, when, when they move, they w- will always have a service at their, uh, at their disposal. So this is a very important change. And of course, in UITP, we are uh, working to uh, promote and to... Uh, uh, encourage also transport authorities to go in this direction. Fantastic. Thank you so much for delving into that, Mohammed. Your comprehensive insights into the challenges and prospects for the public transport sector have been truly valuable and your vision 
for a sustainable, inclusive and innovative future for urban mobility is certainly inspiring. Um, you've briefly touched upon this, but the diversity of public trans- of the public transport sector is, of course, an important aspect to consider, both in terms of staffing and serving passengers from various backgrounds. How can the sector further promote diversity and inclusivity? Yeah, diversity is indeed very, very important now. Uh, let me give you one, two, two, two figures. Uh, if we talk about gender diversity, for example, 66% of the public transport travelers are women. But only 20 or 22% of those working in public transport are women. So we see here the difference between the, the population that uses public transport and those who are serving this population. So it means we need more women in designing, in building, in operating public transport to reflect better the needs of the majority of, of our passengers. And, and uh, often we, people tend to think that uh, developing something for women is like developing something for a, a niche market. No, actually not. It's not a niche market. A niche market is, is the majority of public transport users. So it's a determining component of, of public transport. So we need to, it means we need to better know how women and men move, what are their mobility behaviors, what are their expectations to better develop the service, tailor-made, I would say, to their needs. So for that, it's important to have um, disaggregated data by gender. And unfortunately, in public transport, we only very few uh, cities, they have this disaggregated data. Because if we have it, we will better understand the expectations of men versus women or women versus men. And I'm happy to say that in UITP, we are involved in, in two important projects. Uh, one of them is, is funded by the European Investment Bank. Uh, it's about the gender equality study. And we are uh, carrying out this, uh, this survey amongst our membership to see how we can uh, better uh, answer the expectations of, uh, of, of women and better involve, or more, more involve more women in public transport. And also another one with the ITF. ITF is the International Transport Workers Federation, and uh, and which is about women employment and about best practices in women employment. And we also need to to consider diversity and inclusivity in a wider sense. I would say not just gender, but also ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, and and, and so on. And public transport companies are increasingly aware of this aspect and are developing initiatives to grow diversity at all levels of the of the company. Uh, and I would like to insist here, because it's not just uh, uh, having a, a CEO, a woman CEO, or, or, or having women's, uh, women in the, in the board. It's also in the middle management uh, as engineers, for example, and workers, drivers, mechanics, etc. So it's at all levels of the, of the companies that we need this diversity, gender and other, of course, diversity in, in public transport. And in UITP, of course, we are working the talk of diversity, which is reflected amongst our membership. Our members come from 100 countries on all continents, but also in our governance structure, in our bodies, boards, committees, conferences, etc. And gender equality, for example, is, is really our ultimate objective. And, uh, and we are progressing. For example, now uh, 33% of our board members are women versus uh, 0% five years ago. Uh, in our summit in Barcelona, 44% of our speakers were women. This, uh, 
it means about two, uh, 150 or 160 speakers, uh, women. And, uh, and our new president is a woman now, uh, René Amilcar, which, uh, who is the first woman president in 138 years uh, of UITP. So uh, I would say, finally, it's a great decision uh, of our members. And, uh, and uh, also she announced that diversity will be her main topic Uh, during her term as president. And uh, really, we are very proud of that. And uh, we are, of course, working hard to uh, translate this priority into concrete actions. Of course. Congratulations um, to UITP for that as well. It was very um, nice and positive to see um, Rene being appointed as the first female um, president. But no, it's definitely a key focus for the public transport industry in recent years. And of course, if the staff employment aren't representative of the communities that they serve it just won't be reflected in the services and so definitely agree with everything um, you said so thank you for delving into that now as someone with over 30 years of experience in public transport and urban mobility I imagine that your insights have undoubtedly witnessed transformative changes um, in the industry so I'm curious to know if there are any trends and innovations that you have witnessed that have had a significant impact on the sector? You, you know, uh, actually, when I when I look to the reports and studies I, I have contributed to or, or reports I have led during my career, a lot of them cover subjects which are very similar to what we deal with today. Uh, for example, how to make mobility more energy efficient, uh, less pollutant, uh, how to improve integration, how to make uh, public transport more attractive, etc. So the the questions, the, the concerns we have are the same. But the issues uh, now are addressed differently and, uh, and especially because of the technology developments and the innovations that the sector uh, has experienced during the last 30 years. So this technology development, they, they had significant uh, impact. And let me mention some example, examples. So... For example, the technology development that make operation more efficient, like uh, automation, for example. Uh, now we, we are converting conventional metros into driverless metros. In addition of building the new metros that are built are in general now driverless, but we are also converting the, the old ones. Uh, and this come, comes with uh, improved safety, improved frequency, uh, better operation. Uh, and more flexible operation of, of public transport. Uh, also, when we look to the uh, uh, developments in terms of ticketing and especially the introduction of contactless ticketing or open payments or the different apps that uh, travelers are using, uh, uh, routing apps, for example. So this is making public transport easier to use for, for people. And of course, it attracts uh, people to public transport. Then we can talk also about the innovations for better accessibility, like low-floor buses, low-floor trams, uh, also uh, better security with open carriage trains, for example. So these are developments that took place during the last uh, the last 30 years. Uh, there are also all innovations related to uh, emissions, the low-emission and zero-emission buses with the electrification, which is now becoming a global trend. Then... Uh, innovations uh, uh, about uh, uh, flexible mobility solutions, for example, like on-demand transport, shared bikes, shared cars, carpooling, car sharing, uh, ride hailing, for example. Now they they are part of our daily life, but if you look 
even 10 or 15 years ago, they were not there. So this is important because it improves the integration between uh, those shared uh, mobility solutions and mass transit, and uh, and it makes mobility uh, uh, easier in the city. Congestion charging was another innovation also, but unfortunately remained very limited. In my opinion, uh, it will grow in the coming years because we, we must limit the use of cars in our cities. And, and also uh, congestion charging can come with uh, uh, new funding streams for, for alternative solutions, including public transport. So there's something, uh, an innovation, I would say, that we should leverage on uh, more. And uh, yeah, I mentioned examples. Uh, these are technology innovations only. And what we need now, it need innovations in policies, I would say, or, or I would say we need the uh, more uh, bold policies, people-oriented policies, giving the the priority to uh, to, to people over cars in our cities, uh, because transport is not a technical issue; is uh, it's it's a f- first and foremost a policy issue. So we need to inov- innovate in terms of uh, of of policies the same way we innovated in the technology field. Brilliant. Your optimism for the future of urban mobility is truly motivating. It's um, an interesting perspective, I think, to look at. And with all the emerging technological innovations happening currently in the public transport industry, really is making it an exciting space for change. So it's I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how further advancements and collaborations will further revolutionise the industry. As, as you've mentioned, as urbanisation continues to shape our cities and communities, the evolution of urban mobility policies and travel demand management is of paramount importance. So, Mohammed, I'm keen to hear your perspectives on how these crucial elements will adapt to meet the demands and challenges posed by the increasingly complex urban environments. Indeed, as I mentioned earlier, urban mobility policies and uh, and the travel demand management must be articulated around people needs and 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 their well-being. So, if we uh, keep on adding more cars and more car lanes, this is not the right answer to the to the growing demand. So, I mean, adding more cars, we know. I mean, the induced demand of building wider uh, roads and adding more lanes. I mean. Uh, the induced demand will uh, make our cities even more congested. And we have now evidence about that. So we must really move away from policies uh, managing vehicle flows to to policies providing sustainable mobility solutions to people. And uh, and, uh, there is the the traditional approach, the conventional approach, which is avoid, shift, improve. I mean, first trying to avoid the less needed mobility, I would say, uh, trying to uh, uh, avoid uh, traveling on short distances uh, uh, that uh, with cars, which could be done uh, walking, cycling uh, by, uh, by, by public transport. Also designing our cities in a way that we shorten distances, uh, that we integrate between the different activities and not, uh, uh, for example, the 15th, 15 uh, minute city approach is 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 answering this type of uh, of concern i mean how to make the need to uh, for mobility uh, less uh, needed by by people then shift i mean shifting is about shifting from uh, space uh, consuming and energy consuming uh, modes to uh, 
more efficient modes, again, walking, cycling, public transport, shared mobility, so about providing conditions for their uh, development, and then improving, improving the technology, improving the, the, uh, the motorization of vehicles in a way to make them uh, more, more efficient. So this avoid, shift, improve is an integrated appro- approach, and this is what we need for uh, uh, urban policies and for travel demand uh, management. And there is one uh, example I, I mentioned often, and I want to mention it here uh, as well, is uh, because, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about electrification, about electrifying buses, and this is uh, often what is uh, put forward as a solution to uh, the uh, environmental crisis, the climate change uh, issue that we are experiencing now. Uh, but actually, if we electrify a bus, for example, and we put this bus stuck in traffic, this electric bus will not attract passengers. And sometimes it's better to have a diesel bus in exclusive lane rather than an electric bus stuck in traffic. So really, we need to, to see the, the, the consequences or the, have a comprehensive impact uh, assessment uh, of, of the decision and not just uh, measure uh, it's not because the electric bus will be zero emission that we have solved solved the issue of uh, people stuck in traffic. No, we need first to try to to see how we reduce traffic, how we better manage traffic, and of course, if we can uh, have this with an electric bus, is much better. Uh, but ele- electrification is not uh, is not uh, the panacea, and I would say we should not let technology divert the attention from the key issue, which is providing better mobility for all people. It's interesting that you've mentioned that. I know that often electrification is sort of seen as the key goal um, to sort of decarbonise public transport. And of course, it's important. But as you've mentioned, having a zero emission bus stuck in traffic, it's still congestion and it's not going to encourage more people on board. So no, thank you for mentioning that. We've sort of touched upon this. But the institutional organisation and regulatory framework of public transport play a crucial role in its success. Um, So what are some of the key aspects that should be considered in establishing effective governance structures for public transport? Yes, governance is the key challenge and and the success factor in in urban mobility, actually. As as I said earlier, public transport is is not a technical issue, but but a political subject. So effective governance is, is key. And it starts really with a clear separation between uh, the strategic, the tactical, and the operational levels. So the, the, the strategy is in the hand of policymakers, of course. It's about the policy objective that they pursue, about the public service obligations, because public transport is not a regular commercial service, I would say. It's a social service considering its benefits for the community uh, as a whole. Of course, it could be operated by private operators, and these operators, is, it's legitimate that they have commercial objectives, but, uh, but the service expected should be defined by the public authority. So this strategic level is the decision of the policymakers. Of the, of the, uh, and this decision, the strategic decision, is then translated into the tactical level. And this tactical, tactical level is in the hand of the transport authority. It's this authority that will uh, define the supply, uh, that will uh, uh, specify which modes they they want, what are the the service levels they expect from the operators, the fare system, the territory covered by by public transport, etc. 
So every city or region needs such a transport authority, which will look after the integration of the network and the uh, the services to, to to make it easier for people to to use public transport. So it's this authority which will delegate the service to one or more operators, and hence the the third level, which is the operational level. And this is purely the responsibility of the operators. Uh, and this operator could be private or public. Uh, so here it's about deploying their fleet, uh, their staff, to provide the expected service. So they and and they will have to comply with the expected quality and the performance uh, and the performance expected from the the authority. And they 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 should be evaluated. Of course, their, their performance should be evaluated by by the authority. So it's really. Uh, by clearly defining these uh, three levels that we can have an effective governance of which the, the main objective should be to make mobility easier and more sustainable. Thank you for diving into that, Mohammed. And um, as you've mentioned, governance plays a really pivotal role in ensuring the smooth operation, development and sustainability of any public transport system. Now, as we unfortunately come to the end of the podcast episode today, I wanted to shift our focus to the theme of the future by asking you what UITP's aims and priorities are for 2024 and beyond, and if there are any specific initiatives or projects that you are particularly excited about. Yes, 2024 will be an important year for UITP, uh, because on, on the one hand, we'll build on the success of the Barcelona Summit, which was very inspiring, actually. And, uh, and on the other hand, we'll continue the deployment of our people-first strategy that was uh, triggered by the pandemic and its impact on our sector, on our members and on our staff. So uh, People First uh, is actually our strategy and it aims to uh, reinforce the centricity of our members and staff experience, uh, which in turn will create the the conditions for the long-term financial sustainability of the association. So our our approach is very clear. If... uh, we better serve our members and we better serve our staff, then the association will grow and will attract more members and, and, and more interest and more attention and will have more uh, a bigger impact. So this is our approach and we translated this into five priorities. The first one is to, uh, to, to strengthen this membership uh, as the foundation of the association. So developing uh, personalized member experience, uh, uh, better services answering their needs, also uh, tailor-made uh, services, and make our members better benefit from the uh, association. And some examples, uh, we are going to strengthen our presence in Australia and New Zealand, for example. This is one priority. In Africa as well, which are two continents, which are, which are if we look to the situation now, they are less served than other continents. We will also develop our shared mobility division and to uh, translate the need to have mass transit complemented by on-demand and shared uh, transport. And we'll, of course, have more members involved from this uh, from these uh, sectors. Also, another priority is to uh, increase the impact of, uh, of UITP in terms of policy, in terms of advocacy, and to be more, to have more influence on policy decisions and to be more assertive in our communication. Yes, our... Uh, how to translate the member interest into these uh, advocacy uh, actions is uh, is very important. How to strengthen our institutional communication. So this is will be a priority. You know that in 2024, 
there will be the European elections and the UITP is engaging a lot with European institutions and so it means we'll, uh, it will be a busy year for us uh, uh, at this level and also the COP, the climate conference, is also an important uh, uh, event for, uh, for advocacy. Then the third priority is about uh, our, the no- our knowledge, our, or I would say strengthening the position of UITP as the global knowledge center on public transport and urban mobility by, uh, by uh, developing uh, studies, uh, reports, uh, covering uh, state-of-the-art developments in, in, in urban mobility, also more statistics, data, benchmarking uh, activities, which is needed by, uh, by the sector, also developing our training programs and, uh, and uh, having uh, more active uh, capacity-building uh, actions in, uh, in in this year and the ne- year uh, and the next year then uh, the fourth priority is about uh, diversifying and developing services of uh, high added value for for members so this is really providing a platform for members stakeholders to meet share learn and and develop business and uh, the last priority i would say which is an important one is how to ensure the governance of UITP and the management of UITP fit to deliver on this public first, uh, the people first strategy. And we are deploying a comprehensive learning and development program for all UITP staff covering the 120 people who work in uh, UITP because we are convinced that uh, the growth of the association starts by the, the growth and, uh, of, the, of the staff and, and the uh, development of, uh, of the staff. So this is, uh, briefly, I would say, our priorities for 2024. Well, there's certainly a lot going on for UITP in the next year, as always. Um, I wouldn't expect anything less. So thank you for delving into that, Mohammed. Finally, as we conclude the podcast episode today, what are your overall hopes and aspirations for the future of public transport? And how do you envision the sector evolving in the coming years to address the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead? Yeah, actually, we can't uh, envision the future of public transport without looking at the current situation of of urban mobility. And, unfortunately, I mentioned this already, but I want to repeat it, but urban mobility is still dominated by cars. And uh, despite all the nuisances, I would say, that cars are are, are bringing to to, to our cities and, and citizens. But there is a consensus about the these consequences of hard traffic uh, in terms of road safety, social inclusion, uh, air pollution, greenhouse gas emissions, and, and the negative impact on city competitiveness and, and, and so on. So there is a consensus, which is good. So, and I would say now it's time to end the, the century of car domination and, and put people back at the heart of the city and at the heart of the mobility system. And of course, this is possible by making cities walkable, uh, by making public transport the backbone of, of the mobility system, by having uh, this backbone complemented by cycling, by shared mobility solutions. So we know how to do that. And I would say I am optimistic. I am optimistic about the future of public transport and I, I have many reasons for, for, what, for that. And uh, uh, many reasons when I see the active engagement of young people, when I see the, the growing involvement of women, the increasing interest of new players uh, from other economic sectors. I mean, a lot of players are now investing in public transport because they see it's a key sector for the for the economy and also 
if we want to fight climate uh, change. So this is this all these aspects uh, make me optimistic. Uh, everyone fighting for more and better public transport, I would say, is on the right side of of history, and and can be proud of that, and we are proud of that. Uh, because because public transport is people centric because it's built around people and for people and uh, no matter the challenges it should always be the beating heart of, of of our cities this future of course will not depend only on the public transport stakeholders it will depend also on how the policy decision makers will consider public transport their capacity to recognize it as part of the solution uh, and I want to tell them that we, I mean, the public transport stakeholders, we are ready to make it thrive and contribute to a, a better quality of life and well-being of, of citizens. And this is our ultimate goal and our raison d'etre in UITP. Thank you so much for sharing. It's certainly a poetic end to our episode. Um, I don't think I could have put it any better. So thank you once again. Sadly, that is all that we have time for today. Mohammed, thank you so much for taking the time to join me for this episode and for sharing your thoughts with our audience. UITP is certainly at the forefront of driving positive change in the public transport sector and your dedication to creating a sustainable, inclusive and innovative future of urban mobility is truly inspiring. I'm sure that our listeners will agree with me. So thank you once again. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Before we go, a quick note to our listeners. I hope that you all enjoyed today's episode. If you're keen to hear more about other key topics from within the transportation industry, then please do make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our future episodes as we have plenty more exciting discussions in store for you. You can listen to every episode of our podcast, both past and future on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as any other platform that you usually listen on. On behalf of myself and Mohammed, thank you all for your time and for listening to us today. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.